Father, we love you. We are so thankful to be a part of a family, Lord, where even this last week, just to see some needs met, Lord, of people who suddenly found themselves stressed out and in a situation they didn't anticipate. And yet the faithfulness of your people, God, the faithfulness of your people allows for ministry to keep going forward and your love to be so evident, so obvious. So God, I just pray a blessing over every giver, Lord. And I just pray that our hearts would be open today, God, to receive uh, the spiritual heritage, God, the the lesson that we're going to see in Scripture, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Well, I've got some really exciting news for you that because next week's sermon is starting why we plant churches, it would make more sense to celebrate this next week, but I just can't wait. Is anybody like me? Was anybody like that kid at Christmas time? You're like a week, you know, December 20th. Like, can I open the presents? That was me. So I want to invite up Pastor Andrew and Monica up here. And we have uh, some big news to share for you, with you guys. If you could put up this screen, we have purchased a Warren campus. Yes. And we are just so pumped about what God has been doing. And uh, this building was made, like, really affordable. Yes, cue the music. Come on. And uh, we're just really excited about what God's done. And you guys' giving and generosity has made that possible. So I want you to high-five someone right now. High-five them. All right. Turn around. High-five the random lady behind you. Come on. All right. Now, for for those of you that know me well... You know, I like a good time. How many, how many know, come on, you have to have fun in church, right? And so, Pastor Andrew, you thought I was just going to give you these keys. I know you just thought that, but it doesn't come that easy at Rock of Grace. How many would say it doesn't come that easy? Come on. So I have, I have a little proposition for you. I got a proposition for you. I will give you these keys. This, came, this idea came in deep intercession. That's not true. I was driving. This idea, I will give you these keys if you give me your best Revival, Brownsville, Holy Ghost, Toronto, outpouring, revival dance. How many want to see it? Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, hey. Dude, you got that down. Who wants to see it one more time? One more time. Come on. How many would say he wants those keys? Uh, Listen, that was so funny. He just said, I'm so dizzy. (laughs) Dude, you're not 25 anymore. I have news for you. I'm just kidding. Congratulations, brother. We're excited. (laughs) Oh, man. That was funny in my head. It was even funnier live. Dude, dude, you got down. Man, somebody's been, I don't know. That was awesome. Practicing. You practice that at home? That was, wow. That was impressive. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what was going to happen. when I, <laughs> I don't know if I was going to see the lawnmower or whatever that was, you know. I don't know what that was, Ray, but it happened. All right. <laughs> All right. So on that note, <laughs> you can't segue from that, so <laughs> I'm just going to start. Um, we're in this series called Why? And uh, why we worship, why do we study God's word, why do we have a church, right? So uh, we are in uh, the last part of why we study God's word. And today, 
is all about heritage. But I want to remind you of the first two weeks. So when we were at the picnic, we said this. God's word brings truth and peace into our hearts, right? It reveals God's love. We read from John 10, which tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd that invites us into pasture. He invites us into peace. And how many of you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior in this place? Amen? Awesome. All right. Number two, last week we said God's word brings truth to a confused world. So if you missed it, I really want to encourage you uh, to get the podcast uh, or YouTube, go to YouTube, and uh, listen to that sermon, especially if you got kids, especially if you got grandkids. Uh, really just kind of opened a lot of scriptures and said, here's what the Bible says about these cultural issues. Uh, today, we're saying God's word brings truth to our family. This is why we study God's word. It brings truth to our family. Okay, so in tech team, I want to summarize the first three uh, slides, these, these next three slides, instead of reading it. Because I want a lot of, I want to have plenty of time at the end here. So in the book of Judges, I mentioned this last week, it was just amazing to me, I was rereading it, how the people of Israel would be given uh, a judge, a rescue, and suddenly they would forget, right? The second that the judge would die, they would forget that it was God who blessed them, that it was God who rescued them from their enemies. They would forget of the powerful uh, miracles God had done, all right? So verse 10 even says, there arose a generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work of the Lord that he had done. And so I want to go, I want to put up this slide. The parents and leaders of the day loved God, yet failed to pass down their spiritual heritage. Can we all read this together? The parents and leaders of the day loved God, yet failed to pass down their spiritual heritage. When we read Hebrews and Romans, we learn, and I like to remind Rock of Grace of this often because it's very important, that you are grafted into God's family. You're grafted into um, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, that their stories become our stories. Their history is our history. That's why I love that song, you know, about Egypt. You held up the waters for my release. It doesn't, not their release, my release, right? Their miracles are our Miracles. It tells you about the history of God's people and God's redemptive plan. When we study God's word, we are a part of God's family. We learn that their struggle is our struggle. Their history is our history. Their story is our story. And maybe you don't read it that way. Maybe it hasn't crossed your mind that when you, when you open up uh, Exodus and you're reading Deuteronomy and you're reading this, you might think, well, that was them back then. But no, these are your, this is your heritage. This is the people of God, and you have been grafted in. How many are so thankful you've been grafted in, right? How many of you are a Gentile? Anybody? Okay, that's all of you for the most part, right? You, you've been grafted in. We learn that we were delivered from Egypt, and this is important. This is so important. It's not that they were delivered. It's that we were delivered through faith in Christ we are adopted into the family of God. Israel's stones and stories are our stones and stories. And so I thought I would share with you just two of my stories today and connect them to Scripture when Scripture came to life for me because the challenge that I want to present to you today as parents, aunts, 
uncles is that you pass down the stories and the, the, the faithfulness of God. Would you just nod at me if you're willing to, to do that, amen? So I'm gonna give you just one of mine. I remember being in college. I had just lost my prestigious job as a pizza boy delivery. <laughs> God, don't laugh at me like that, Ray. Don't laugh at me like that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I just, my radiator blew out on that Honda Civic, my good old faithful Honda Civic, man. It was supposed to be faithful. It was not. It was not faithful. It was unfaithful Honda Civic. And my tuition had to be paid every semester. The, the school I went to uh, was very particular. They did not want you to leave with debt. So I remember I had taken out the, um, you know, the agreement for the apartment in my name. And so my roommates would pay me and I would pay. And I uh, always had this pizza, you know, delivery job, but suddenly I didn't have it, and I could not get a job. I mean, I was knocking on every door, every Ponderosa, every place, and um, I just could not get a job for two months, and I kept trying and trying. Well, $220 was my rent, and it was due. It was due. So this was like, again, oh, I was asking the Lord, what, what's one of the stories where I can just, I know that was a turning point in my life when you became incredibly real to me. How many have those moments when God was incredibly real to you? So this is, this is one of those moments for me. I'll never forget it. Worship, I'm, I'm worshiping in the, uh, in, the, in the seat there and worship had just ended and my rent was due that weekend, right? And I had resolved to put my bass guitar in the paper all right, this is before the days of Facebook Marketplace, okay? In the paper, some, everybody 12 years old is like, what's a paper? A newspaper. It has little black letters. Anyway, I put that in the paper for $200, and I knew it was a $400 base, but I'm like, you know what? I really don't want to sell this, but I have to have money. And I was too prideful to call home and ask mom and dad, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of stressed about it. I'm thinking about it in this elderly lady comes up and she just sits by me and she has tears in her eyes and she hands me this envelope. And I said, what's this? She says, God wants me to tell you, don't sell your instruments. He's going to use them for his glory. And here's what you need. And I open the envelope and there's $200 in there. And I'm just like, I still get goosebumps just thinking about it to this day. And I mean, I just sat there. You guys ever just... God moves, and you're just like, I, I don't think I said anything. I just, I was shocked that God knew. Guys, this was not on the internet, and I know this lady was not looking for a bass guitar. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was God. God spoke to her heart. And I didn't have my name in this ad. It was this tiny little ad. All I had was my phone number. It said the, you know, bass and the model and this and that. And here's a phone number. And she walked up, prophesied to me, gave me $200. And I, that's when scripture came to life for me. God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Everything my youth pastor told me, everything mom and dad told me about God's faithfulness is true. You know? And you need those moments. You need to share those moments with your kids. Your children need to hear what God has done in your life. Read them a scripture and tell them a story. I want to say it again. Read them a scripture and tell them a story of God being faithful to you. Pass down your heritage. All right, open your Bibles up to Deuteronomy 11. And as you're turning there, I want to set up the scene. 
the people of, of uh, God had been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They followed Moses into the wilderness, and they were about to enter the promised land that was uh, long awaited, and God gives them some instruction. And if you already got your Bibles in your hand there, you can also turn, if you want to, you can hold a, a bookmark or a finger there to Joshua 1. But we're going to start in Deuteronomy 11, verse 2, okay? Know this day that it is not your children who have known and seen the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm, the signs and works he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to all the land. What he did to the Egyptian army and the horses and the chariots when he made the waters of the Red Sea engulf them as they pursued you. How he destroyed them completely, even to this day. What he did for you. Everybody say, what he did for you. What he did for you in the wilderness until you reach this place. For it is your own eyes that have seen every great work the Lord has done. You shall therefore keep every commandment that I'm giving you today, so that you may have strength to go in and possess the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And so that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them a descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. Skip down to verse 12 for the sake of time. It is a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. By the way, the world's eyes are always on Israel. When you read, when, when you read the word of God, suddenly a lot of cultural events make sense to you. How many guys realize the world's eyes are always on Israel? It's because of, that's just the way God set it up. It's God's special land, his special people. So look at this. It's a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord are always on it from beginning to the end of every year. So if you carefully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart, all, all your soul. Doesn't that sound like Jesus when he's asked, what's the most important commandment, right? He's reciting Deuteronomy eleven twelve. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And he says, uh, then, everybody say then. Then I will provide rain for your land in season, the autumn and spring rains that you uh, may gather your grain, new wine, and oil. In other words, he's saying, let me bless you. Let me bless you, right? I will provide grass in the fields for your livestock, and you will eat and be satisfied. This is powerful. We could preach a whole week just on that line right there. You know how many American churchgoers are not satisfied? Come on, you can be satisfied in the presence of Jesus. You will eat and be satisfied. Be careful that you are not enticed to turn aside to worship and bow down to other gods. Or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. He will shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, uh, nor will the land yield its produce. And you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Remember, the Lord wants to give it to them, wants to bless you. Fix these words of mine in your heart and mind. Tie them as reminders on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Speaking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the doorposts of your houses, on your gates, so that as long as the heavens are above the earth, your days and those of your children, one more time, ever say children, may be multiplied in the land the Lord swore to your fathers. If you carefully obey these commands I'm giving you, to love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out the nations before you. 
the enemies, okay? You will dispossess nations greater and stronger than you. Every place where the sole of your foot treads will be yours. Now, I know that's a lot of scripture. We have actually a lot of scripture in this uh, sermon today, but I couldn't, I couldn't cut much of it out. There was so much of it. I want them to hear this. I want you guys to hear this promise because, again, you are the people of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Look at him. Give him a Holy Ghost point. Say, that's you. I also call that the R.D. and Baumgartner point. You know you're in trouble. Come on, she does that to you. Ardeen, you in here today? Where are you at? I'll find her later. Okay. God tells him clearly to heed this warning, to love him, to carefully obey, right? And then he tells him, what I promised your parents, I'm promising you. He's saying, I will take care of you. Guys, kids are graduating. We just saw that, right? We're in the season right now where some of you have kids and nephews and nieces that are, have just graduated high school. Be sure that you take some time with them to sit down and tell them the miracle stories. Be sure. Katie, make sure you do that. Lauren, make sure you do that. You get your kids. You get your grandkids. You say, let's meet at Good Intentions. Let's have a coffee. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you about the time when God, and fill in the blank, and tell them your story. Tell them your story. So now we're going to see, did God come through on this promise? Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. If you got it, say got it. it. Most of you said I got it on the screen because you enable me to be lazy. No, I'm kidding. I put it up there. I'm totally kidding. Here we go. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses' assistant. So Joshua is Moses' assistant, okay? So Moses has been mentoring him. He's his right-hand man. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan River, you and all this people, into the land I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you. Does that sound familiar? Didn't we just read that? Every place that your sole of your feet is walking on is a land that I am giving you. I am giving you. I'll never forget one time I was praying on a property and a friend called me and just started prophesying. He said, the place where your sole of your foot is on, I am giving you. And I just, I danced like Andrew. Well, not quite like Andrew. I would have blown a gasket if I danced like Andrew, but... How many have those moments where God just like shows up and just, you know, a prophetic word or a card or some miracle just... That was, again, one of those moments. So look at this. Be strong. Actually, let me pick up at verse 1, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. Just as I was with Moses. Oh, actually, hold on. Go back because I I can't miss this. This is the biggest, uh, the hook of the day here. What God did for them, God will do for us. This is what stones and stories communicate. What God did for them, God will do for us. All right, now let's read this. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, and you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night so you can be careful. There's that word again. Be careful to do all that's in it. Then you will make your way. He will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. How many see it's very obvious that God wants to take care of you? 
It's one of the things I come back to a lot when I'm counseling someone or just talking with someone is God wants to take care of you. God wants to help you in this situation. Now, do you see the testimony of the parents connected to the study of the word? Did you see that? The testimony of the parents is connected to the study of the word. Be careful to obey the law. Parents, pass it down. Be careful to obey the law. Parents, pass it down. The, your testimony is very powerful. I, uh, this morning, as I was rereading through my, my sermon and praying, I said, God, what, what's one more story I should share with them? I want to tell you a story I know I've never told you guys. I shared it with uh, someone last weekend uh, in, the yard, in the backyard. I will never forget when I was in Brownsville, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, when um, God was pouring out his, his spirit in this powerful way. It's why they began the school in the first place. Is so, so many people were coming to Christ, and they wanted to, felt this calling to raise up uh, a Bible college to send out ministers to the world. So I went to school there. I was about, I believe it was my end of my first year, maybe the beginning of the second year. I'll never forget this. I walked into class one day, and I remember it was in the blue building where the carpet was blue. I walked to the left. You go up the steps. I open the door, and everybody, all of my classmates are slain in the spirit. Now, if you don't know what that means, you're like, slain? Who has murdered all of your classmates? That's not what I mean. They were all under the weight of God's presence. If you ever hear that word, that phrase, slain in the spirit, they're under the weight of God's presence. And I just felt this thing. I mean, I, I opened the door and it was like God's presence just hit me. So first I'm like in shock because even my teacher is just taking a nap. I don't know what's, and, and yet then I sense all of God's presence. God's presence just comes. I mean, it was just like, how many guys, I, I like to use these as props I've noticed over the years. These make great props. You need some of these at the Warren campus, by the way. So it just came on me. I mean, it was just like this big, heavy coat. How many of you guys have ever felt that? Anybody ever felt that? All right, so about a handful per section, per section of you. That's why I want to pray that you have these encounters with God. And that's why I'm sharing this encounter with God. Because here's what happened. That class that day, it, well, there wasn't class. <laughs> it was three and a half to four hours of just God's presence and singing in the spirit. I mean, I, I thought I was in heaven. Everybody was just prostrate on the floor, worshiping and singing. And how, how can I say this? No one was bored. We were all in awe of God. How many want to have moments where you're in awe again? Come on, right? And if you've had these moments, you know God is so real and God wants to do for your children what he's done in your life. Guys, these were encounters that changed me. These were encounters that I walked in. I, I, I remember when, when class finally ended, when we kind of all started getting up. Um, we ended up still worshiping for like another couple hours. We walked around the church singing. I know, it's kind of bizarre. But you have to realize like God did something amazing in me that day and that was an encounter I had with God that changed my life. So let's see if, let's see if God came through on his promise to Joshua that just as he was with Moses, just as he parted the sea, the Red Sea, if he would do this. So turn to Joshua 3 verse 9. 
Joshua 3, verse 9. Joshua said to the people, come here, listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, here is how you will know that the living God is among you. I love that. He will drive out your enemies. Therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests carrying the ark of the Lord shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. The waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the Ark of the Covenant. So imagine you have four guys holding these poles, the Ark of the Covenant. And he says, when the priests go in, the waters are going to part. Verse 15, as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the ark dipped into the brink of the water. And by the way, my, my translation says the Jordan River overflows the banks throughout this time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up and rose at the city of Adam. And those flowing down toward the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. The people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground. Does that sound like anything? Does it sound like Moses, right? Going across with three million Jews across the Red Sea. The priests bearing the Ark of the Lord stood firmly on dry, on dry ground. All of Israel passed over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan River. Let's keep reading. When all the nations, this is chapter 4, finished passing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, one man each tribe, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests stood. Bring them over and lay them down where you uh, place your lodge tonight, where you sleep tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. By the way, I think it's cool. It's a man from each family, right? Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God. Take up each of you a stone on his shoulder. So this is not a small stone, right? I mean, if there was a small stone, you wouldn't be like, eh, right? I mean, it's like, once again, with the cloths. Right? If, it's, if you need to put it on your shoulder, it's a big stump. So he says, take one on your shoulder, one per uh, tribe, according to the number of tribes in the people of Israel. This will be a sign among you. When your children ask, what do those stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up the 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes, just like the Lord told Joshua. They carried them over with them to the place where they lodged. They laid them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the ark stood. And they're there to this day. I want you to reach underneath your seats, and you're going to grab a stone. All right? Underneath your seat is a stone. And I want you to hold it in your hand. Now, this is one for everybody. If you don't have one, ask your neighbor, because we put them almost everywhere. Alicia, you got a stone? I'm staring at you. So you got a stone. Anybody? Has everybody got a stone? Raise your hand if you don't have one. 
You really, the whole, the harness missed, I blame my children. My children were, I delegated it. That's Eva's fault. I'm just going to blame my kids. They got distracted. They got some up here, okay? And in the back. Does everybody got one now? I got to work on my quality control with my children uh, delegating my sermon illustration. I want you to look at that stone. God said, take this stone, and this stone is going to represent your family, that your family was rescued. Come on. He said, you're going to take this, and we're going to pile it up in the middle of the Jordan River, right where this dry ground is, so that when your children, come on, when little Bobby, when little Susie takes grandma's hands and says, What's, what are these stones for? I can say, oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. This is the day when there was a raging river. And God did for Moses exactly what he did for Joshua. God did for Joshua exactly what he did for Moses. He pushed the water back and we walked across on dry ground so that we could enter the promised land. Right? And little Bobby and little Susie could be like, what? Right? And they could be in awe of God's miracles. And what does this tell them? What God did for you, God can do for me. What God did for them, God can do for us. Just like the Israelites, we must pass on the stones and the stories. Now, I like visual aids, so I know how this goes. That stone will last on your dresser for about two months if you're spiritual, right? And then it goes in the gravel in the backyard. (laughs) But please don't do that like tomorrow. Let it sit there for at least a few months. Will you guys be willing to do that? Why? So that every morning when you're getting ready and you see that big stone, God reminds you, open the word of God. Open the word of God with your kids. Read them a scripture and tell them a story. One more time. Read them a scripture and tell them a story. You know, one of the things about the revivals that have happened throughout the earth, I've noticed a pattern in reading about them, whether it's Azusa Street or whether it's Wales. Almost every time, the person or people at the catalyst of the revival had just read about a revival. Almost every time. Almost every time. When the John Kilpatricks of the world experience uh, the presence of God and the revival and the outpouring of, uh, of God's spirit, where multiple hundreds of thousands of people get saved and these amazing things happen, there's a pattern that I've noticed. They hear about it happening they get desperate for it to happen in their town and they begin to pray. And then God does it. Very simple. They hear, every touch your ear, come on, they hear someone took the time to write it down in a book, in a journal, and they pass down that spiritual heritage and, and God allows someone to read it with a hungry heart. I want to give some practical advice to parents, and then we're going to transition. I'm going to actually have um, my parents come on up here, and 
uh, Dr. Harna and Shane, come on up here. They're going to help me as we end this sermon. So come on, come on up, and then uh, while you guys are coming, I'm going to give you guys some practical advice. Open the Bible every day, every day with your kids, okay? Every single day. It's about quality, not quantity, all right? So don't be like, hey, kids, we're reading four chapters of Leviticus. Buckle up. What I do, I like to go through Proverbs with them. We go through Psalms, and it's so cute. You know what? They're already getting, Ellie is only nine. I always get their ages wrong. So she's somewhere between five and 15. But um, just the other day, you know, the radio was on. They had a verse, and it was so cute. She goes, oh, Dad, we just memorized that verse. And she said it back. It was so cool. So God is already hiding his word in their heart. Number three, pray together with and for them. Ask, is there anything you want to pray for? And by the way, this can be very humorous. Uh, so it's also some comic relief for you. You know, um, tell a story of when God forgave you or came through for you. And make something tangible. Just trying to take the concept of the word here. Make something tangible. Maybe it's a journal. Maybe uh, it's a box. I know my parents were good with this, they had like this, this box of, of blessings and, and some stuff that they wanted us to keep. And I know right where my box is in, in my basement or right where it's at. So I can always go visit that anytime. So there should be something tangible where you're passing on God's faithfulness in scripture. So um, I have, uh, we have mentors and elders in our lives. Let's welcome them, by the way, Dr. Harna and Shane, my mom, my dad, Mark and Pam. Thank you. Actually, I'll take that. Thank you so much, guys. And they're going to help us by telling us some of the stories of God's faithfulness. So we've got a couple of mics. Y'all can share that. <clears throat> and you two can share this one. And um, be a little bit like interview style, but I'm just going to, you know, I've asked them. I've heard a lot of these stories of God moving on their behalf for years. I mean, the number of times I've been over at a July 4th or something and heard about God's miracle, about what God did, and it's always so moving. And I thought, let's illustrate this. Instead of me just challenging you, these are kind of spiritual parents of Rock of Grace. I want you guys to realize, uh, actually, can we stand up and give them a hand? Because you guys wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for families like this, guys. Love you guys. I'm like so tempted to share so many stories right now. I'm going to share just one for 10 seconds, and then I'm going to want them to share. I remember one time we had a serve day here. And it blew my mind because it was 8 in the morning. I came down with John McClellan, and Shane was wiping down the dust off the audio cables and wrapping them. And I don't know why that hit me. It moved me to tears. I'm like serving in Sunday school, teaching, and doing all these things that you see them do all the time, but she was willing to wrap cables. How many of you guys know, like, a servant's heart is what God wants to do in all of us? Amen? So these are incredible people. I'm going to ask them each to share a story uh, of when God just moved on their behalf. So let's actually start with my parents. We'll start with my dad. 
and uh, just have you share a story of when God was incredibly faithful to you. There's a, several scriptures, you know, don't despise small beginnings. And uh, out of Job 8, actually, there's a uh, interesting scripture in, in verse 7. It says, your beginnings will seem simple, so prosperous will be your future. Well, uh, I, I want to talk just briefly about your call, about our call, and how sometimes that call begins to happen with signs that God gives you and you don't even understand them. You don't, you don't even recognize them. I remember I was about 11 or 12 and I was growing up on a dairy farm and I was the oldest boy so my dad would send me out pre-dawn uh, to get the cows and I was scared. I was always a little bit uh, timid about going out there in the dark uh, to get these cows at 5 in the morning. And uh, I remember one particular day, a storm was coming. A crack of lightning hit, loud, so loud. It just, the hair on my head stood up, on my arm stood up. And, and then thunder just rumbled the ground. And I was so scared. I, I didn't know what else to do except to sing, Almighty Fortress is our God. Uh, that's the only song I knew because we grew up in a Lutheran church. And Suddenly, I, I began speaking in tongues. I, I mean, I loved God, but I didn't really know Jesus yet. I, I just knew about God, but I loved everything I knew about God. And so, it's crazy how that could happen. And, and then, uh, about a year or two later, my early teens, I was sitting in church again on a Sunday morning. My grandmother heard me singing, and she said, you're going to be a pastor someday. Well, I, that was a joke because I was just learning how to smoke. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and so uh, when... That was not advice for all the children yeah, that are in the room. It was pretty crazy. I, I lived a pretty rough life, uh, survival of the fittest with two brothers. And uh, so... Uh, I went to college, and when I graduated from college, I, I didn't quite graduate, so I had one semester left, and uh, I left school. And I started hitchhiking around America several thousand miles, and really a search for identity and purpose, and understanding what, what's going on, this hunger that I had for God. And uh, we, we lived, a, uh, we got married, and we lived a very rough life on the farm. And um, suddenly, one day, uh, on that Bible that my grandmother had given me before she died, I had had six bottles of beer. On my, I used it for a coaster. And uh, a man in the TV said, if you're in a dead church, get out of it. So I asked my wife, what is a dead church? We had no idea. We began searching. Well, several months later, we found ourselves in a full gospel church where the music was alive and the, and the spirit of God was present. We gave our hearts to the Lord. We ran up to the altar. I gave my heart to Jesus, and I began speaking in tongues. And I said, I've heard that before. I, what is that? She says, oh, Sonny, that's God's blessing on your life. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit within minutes of being saved. Well, 
six months later, the pastor asked me to, <laughs> asked me to teach sixth grade boys. I was so rough, I was, I was slapping them around trying to get them quiet. And, uh, also but, not advice <laughs> for, the, for those of you that are watching yeah. online. Well, the class, the class grew, and next year I ended up teaching young adults. The next year I started teaching, my wife and I were teaching uh, married couples, and we felt God's call on our life. And uh, we ended up selling our farm and moving to uh, Southeastern University where God met us. And we thought, oh, we have everything in place for school. But everything that could come against us came against us to stop us, to stop us, to stop us. It was just unbelievable that the tremendous agony of what we had to go through. Ultimately, uh, God prevailed in every situation, even at times when I thought, this is the end. Uh, we have to quit school. We have to go back and get our lives back in order. But God would always rescue us the last second. And finally, we received a call to pastor our first church. And we were elected 11 to 10. Don't despise small beginnings. Amen. That's awesome. I'm going to have you use this. I'm going to take this one. Because this one's just a little more sensitive. Yet this one you have to hold up, hold up right to your mouth. But I'm going to have my mom share a story of maybe just a time when God was incredibly faithful and you just undeniable and changed your life. Well, um, it was really kind of hard to pick just one. But there is one thing that just kind of rose to the top. And that uh, took place... Um, again, at a time when we knew God, but we really didn't, um, you know, we didn't love him. We weren't really in relationship with him. We were in church, but it was more of a tradition passed down to us from our parents. So we were just living our lives for ourselves and working hard, playing hard. And uh, it was 1976. And our daughter, Emily, was born. And she was born six weeks premature. And it wasn't that her birth weight was so low, but her lungs were extremely underdeveloped. So she uh, developed RDS, and, which is a lung disease. And she was just very, very critical. Every day was worse than the day before. Now, at the time, we were living in Rochester, Minnesota, the home of the world-renowned Mayo Clinic. So she had the best of the best care. But they, at one point, told us to remove the life supports. And we said, no. You know, we didn't know God, but we were crying out to him. And we just... They said, well, if she does live, she's going to be most likely blind and compromised. And we said, we'll take her any way we can get her. And we just hung on. We didn't even know really anything more than to pray to a God we, we knew about. 
and um, the lowest point was they had called us in the morning and said they had baptized her during the night because they didn't think she was going to live. But that was the turning point. And from that day forward, she began to improve. And we took that baby home at three pounds, 15 ounces. Mark wouldn't hold her, touch her. <laughs> he was afraid of her. My big, strong man wouldn't, was afraid of this little tiny baby. We had to keep our house at 80 degrees, so. I mean, that was great. She had to be naked. To, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> you weren't supposed to interject. It. <laughs> that is not true. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, people would stop by, but they wouldn't stay long. <laughs> so anyway, we just watched her develop perfectly without any um, compromise whatsoever. And 45 years later, she's still beautiful and perfect and um, um, So I just share that to say that even when you're unfaithful, God is faithful. When you're far from him, he's close to you. Yeah. Amen. That's amazing. Yeah. There's always a risk when Pastor Mark's on stage. You just don't know. You don't know. I, think I even had some people warn me. You know, you know. He could say something. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, this again, this is Dr. Harnett and uh, Shane Harnett, and uh, have, have just been serving here and leading here uh, for years. And so I'd love for you guys to share uh, a time when God is incredibly faithful to you, maybe a turning point in the trajectory of your faith or your life. I want to share um, a story that changed our future and the way we raised our family. And it occurred in the summer of uh, 1988. And it was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And David and I were sitting on the front porch with our children. And they were ages uh, 8 to 12 at that particular time. And we were just enjoying the day. And this car pulled in uh, the driveway. and. We had a sign out by the road that said mulch for sale. And they got out of their car, and we went down, and we greeted them. And they were interested in the mulch. And uh, so we talked mulch. And then um, we just started talking with them. And they ended up staying there about a half an hour. But um, we asked her uh, what she did, and she said that, she was a family counselor, that she had uh, a doctorate, and she and her husband were on sabbatical right then. And she looked at us and looked at our kids, and she said, have you ever read the book, The Blessing, by Gary Smalley and John Trenton? We had never heard of it. And she said, well, as a counselor, I can tell you I see so many sad things come through my office. and." If every family in America could read this book, I wouldn't be seeing all these issues. And she said, um, I can honestly say that next to the Bible, 
This is a book that should be in every home in their personal library. So it, she says it has to do with the parent-child relationship. That's the angle that the book is coming from. So we're raising four kids and looking for any help that we can possibly get. And so we purchased the book um, and we read it. And at that point, uh, it became, we became intentional parents. It changed the way that we did things. Um, the book talks about um, speaking or giving a meaningful touch to your children, speaking, um, encouraging words into their life. And the Bible tells us that, that their life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we got to thinking, well, what are we speaking to our children? You know, and how are we encouraging them? And how are we showing them that they're the apple of God's eye? And how are we placing high value in them as to how God thinks of them and how we think of them. What kind of future are we painting for them? And are we going to help them achieve that future? So that gave us a framework on which we were able to, we were able to guide our children along as they were maturing. And uh, it became just such a transforming uh, issue in our life at that time. And the thing about it is, is that um, the blessing is, the, the book is just solidly biblical. And we studied those scriptures, and we read them, and we applied them. And we feel that our family has benefited from that. And we are looking now and seeing how our children are passing that blessing on to our grandchildren. So it's become generational. And at the time, when those people walked into our backyard, and they're thinking that they're buying mulch, and they're giving us a breath of life in our family that is going down through the generations, it just became one of the most transformational uh, times in the growth of our family. And we can take this stone and we can put this on our front porch and we can say, God met us right here on that Sunday and it made all the difference in the world. Amen. You know, before Dr. Harnett shares again, I. Um, I really want to encourage you, like like Shane said, is to take this stone and put it somewhere you're going to see it every day. Like she said, the porch, somewhere where, uh, or your dresser, or wherever you know, you're going to see it every day. And just to remind you the importance, because what's sad is so many times um, these life-changing experiences with God, they can get lost. And how many realize your kids, your nephews and nieces, they, they're on devices, they're busy, they're distracted, and I see it all the time where I see the faith of mom and dad or grandma and grandpa is somehow it's not translated, and they don't feel they have the time. You make time. Make time to sit down with your kids, and like she said, bless them. All right, so let's hear from Dr. Harnett. Maybe a time in your life when it was just really transformative with the Lord. 
I'm going to start out by just reading a short prayer here. This is the prayer, the Jabez prayer. And Jabez called on the, on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. And I would encourage you to read this book. It, and as I tell the story, you'll find how it's impacted my life. I still pray that prayer according daily, according to whatever the day deals me. But back, I became familiar with this uh, book and started praying this way back in uh, 2000. And at the time, I was running three or four trucks. And this is kind of a financial thing, but this, uh, the point I'm making is this prayer has affected me in other areas other than finances. But I'm just using this as an example. So don't, I don't want anyone to leave here thinking that I'm all into finances, God bless me. But this is actually what has happened that I've had very little uh, to do with. So um, I always thought I could make it in the trucking company, although I farm and I'm a dentist and I had three or four trucks and back in July, I was working for Matlack and back in July of 01, Matlack out of the clear blue de declared bankruptcy. Pipeline on wheels. And at that point, I said, you know, I'm in my early 50s. It's now or never, right? So I went to the banks and procured some financing. I went to some very disgruntled employees that were big teamsters. I took Shane with me. Uh, Wise. Presented, presented my vision. Um, went to the shippers who need carriers, and um, I actually gave everyone that I spoke to this book. And I told them, if you sign up with me, I, want, I forget what uh, translation I used. Read Psalm 15. That's who you're dealing with. 44 drivers applied. I hired 26. I borrowed the money, and believe it or not, I bought 70 trucks, 40 trailers, and went into business. Um, fast forward to 2020. I'd hired some of the best people that I knew as managers, actually four of them. Three of them were in their 60s, one was in their 70s, and yours truly was in your 70s. So I kind of read the tea leaves and said, you know, this era of blessing is coming to an end. So I marketed the company. Now, now listen to this. During the time, I'm a full-time dentist. I'm farming. Shane and I are teaching Sunday school. I'm on the church board here. I had very little to do with this company. And I'm telling you that just to show how faithful God has been in his favor. 
But when I marketed a company uh, last, last summer, and I went to different strategic buyers, um, at that time, I had over 300 pieces of equipment, 125 drivers. Um, and along the way, I realized that the only thing I had to do was deal uprightly with people. And 85% of our revenue came from 10 companies that I had dealt with for over 12 years. My employees, I had an 8% employee turnover in an industry that has a 60 or 70% uh, turnover of employees. I never had an unprofitable year. We started in August of 01, and what happened in 9-11? Very poor time, very poor timing to start a company. But God was so faithful that even that first year, we showed a profit. Um, come this August, this past August, I was able to sell the company, you know, praise the Lord, for over twice its appraised value. This has occurred again. I wasn't in the, I didn't go to the terminals. I mean, I kind of set the tone. I'd have meetings with the managers. I gave them all a nail to keep carry in their pocket to remind them of what Christ did. I mean, I was very open. I wrote letters to the employees. Um, they heard the Easter and Christmas message every time I wrote to them. But the point I want to make in, in telling you this is, you know, my life's going on just as it is. And by God's grace and power, this period of blessing has not ended because it's going on with my family. And this, I guess you'd say, legacy of blessing is safe and alive. It has it, it didn't end in August 17th, 2020, when the funds transferred. But we're going on. See, not only was I in my 70s, but my children are all on different career paths. They have no interest in the trucking business, but they have other interests and they're gifted and educated in other areas. And God will be faithful to do going forward what he's just done here. I'm not a trucking guru. This actually happened. So if he did, if God did it for Jabez, why wouldn't he do it for me? It says, and God granted his request. If God has done it for me in this realm, finance, but trust me, it's been many other areas outside of finance in my life. I could go on and on and on. But if he's doing it for me or did do it or is continuing to do it, why won't he do it for you? I mean, is, is God prefer one over another? The Bible's very clear. 
So, and if he's, do it, he'll feel, do it for you. Why won't he, and he's done it for me. Why won't he do it for my children and my grandchildren? Is there any reason? One thing is very clear is I'm a child of God, but as this last 19 years, I've dealt with shippers and employees. They're all children of God. And I can't, you can't expect God to bless you and your legacy as a child of God if you don't do the same with his other children. That's what we're put on here to do, to be a blessing. Yeah, it's nice to be blessed, but don't miss the point that you need to be a blessing and stay away from sin. Yes. That cuts the line that God, that favor that you're seeking, stay far away from it. So in closing, I would encourage you to get the book, The Prayer of Jabez. It's a quick read. Read it over and over again and pray it according to any particular circumstance. That's what God's done for me in this particular area. And then I'll just throw in one other book, Business Secrets of the Bible. Hmm. All right? Listen, it's it. A, it, one of the things you pick up, I hope you pick up there, is that keeping, he kept Christ at the center. It's not just, it's not Sundays. And this is what I love about both of these couples. And, you know, there's been numerous times that I've actually been out just to play, like, instrumentals for some of these events he's talking about. And right there in the business meeting is he'll share scripture with them. And that's an, it's so important that he is, is taking what God has done in his life and passing it on to employees and uh, not just children. Um, anything else you wanted to share quick? Yeah. I want to make a comment. It's just a special blessing that as I share this with you and how we've applied these different things in our lives, my children are here and several of my grandchildren. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just real quickly, you know, uh, when my wife and I received Christ, uh, we, we were so raw, we didn't know anything about the Bible. In fact, when I went to Bible college, the first cl- uh, uh, church service, what do they called them, uh, chapel, that service, the guy says, open up to the book of Habakkuk. I said, I thought we were reading from the Bible. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't even know it was in there. So I, mean, we, I was raw. But what we did is we bought the, uh, the game Bible Challenge. And every night, uh, Jordan and I would compete against Pam and the girls. And, uh, and so the girls against the guys. And I learned about the Bible. <laughs> I was, they think I was teaching them. I was learning about the Bible uh, as we were playing this game. So whether it's just reading a, a book, blessing your kids, spending that time, that don't despise small beginnings. Get yourself a game and start investing in the next generation. Make it fun. What I want to encourage you to do, too, um, I'm going to invite Evie to come up. I, and, and then she's going to pray for this generation. So she's, and then Pastor Ed is going to close this out. 
Um, I didn't tell you that little secret. I asked Evie to come up. Um, but listen, they have so many of stories of God's faithfulness that, you know, I've, I've heard for years. And many of you have a lot of these encounters with God where someone gave you this prophetic word and you had this encounter with God or someone gave you a book like Shane shared and suddenly it really changed the way you parent and changed your whole life. Pass on those nuggets of wisdom to your kids um, I thought it would be pretty neat to even illustrate that because Evie is their grandchild. Give it up for Ann, for Evie. <laughs> Evie, what I asked Evie to do before Pastor Ed is going to close the service and pray for us as another one of our elders, that you guys would be able to pass on your spiritual heritage. I want Evie, though, to pray for you who are that younger Generation. This is scary to put an age on it, so uh, I'm not going to say an age. Uh, but you know, everybody just in, in the younger. We'll say le- we'll say less than I am. How about that? Come on, somebody. We'll say less than 37. Come on. I was going to say 30, but I'm going to include myself. I'm going to include you, Andrew. Um, she's going to pray for you that you have open hearts. So this is Evie. Yeah. So my name's Evie, and. Uh, I was standing back there. I was getting a little nervous. I had to go in the bathroom and speak in tongues, do a little Pentecostal dance <laughs> and to get all the nerves out. But as I was, I was in nursery today, and um, I was sitting with the kids, and I was asking God, like, what do you want? What do you want from this generation? Like, what, do you, what does your heart want, God? And he whispered to my heart. He said, I just want a generation who loves me. And what that means is I just want a generation who will stop at nothing to love me, to show me their love, even when it's hard. I want a generation who will love me with this Ahava love. Ahava is a Hebrew word, and in Hebrew, uh, the word Ahava means it's like an active love. It's used as a verb. It's, um, it actively pursues. It's an unfailing love. And a lot of things that I've seen in this generation is that we've been sold a counterfeit version of love because we don't, and because we don't have this real version of love, that it's a cheap love, uh, we feel these, this need for the real love with things that don't satisfy. And um, I didn't have my Bible with me today, so I asked Danielle if um, I could borrow her Bible. And she had this bookmark, this verse. It was bookmarked in her uh, Bible, so that was a God thing. And uh, it's Isaiah 31, 1. It says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots, and in, and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. And, <laughs> and uh, that's just really saying, like, it... Uh, the chariots and the horsemen, those are worldly things. Those are things that don't last. They're things that uh, don't satisfy your spiritual needs. And that's a thing that um, you satisfy your spiritual needs with spiritual things. You don't satisfy. So there's like a separation between the soul and the flesh. The flesh needs food, sleep, uh, water, all the basic needs. But then your soul needs the word, the presence of God, the quiet time, like the fellowship with the Lord. And, um, 
the perfect love that God gives. And this perfect love, it's, it can kind of be a scary thing. I, in the Bible, it talks about uh, God's eyes of fire. And I know my Aunt Noelle can testify to that. She loves stuff like that talks about God's eyes and seeing you. And that's really what the perfect love does. It exposes all that you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, like it exposes everything. And that's kind of scary thing because in uh, in this generation, we're kind of scared to be seen who for you real, who for who you really are because it's filled with filters. It's filled with you process everything uh, that you do that you post online and social media. You process it um, before you put it out there. You get to filter it. Whereas, like when you're in person, it's more um, like a raw thing. And so. Our, this generation can kind of be scared to be seen who for the who for who they really are, and uh, in Psalm, let's see, I need to get these papers out of the way. It's Psalm fifty-three, one through two. Let me get there. And this was also uh, bookmarked in Danielle's Bible, so this is all God's verses, just so you know. Um, it says, in the fool says in, in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt in their ways, and their ways are vile. There is, uh, there is no one who does good. And then verse 2, listen to this. It says, God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. And that is what God is looking for. He's looking for a generation who will understand that his love, he doesn't, it doesn't condemn you, but it calls you up out of where you are. It says, you're my child. Stand up and fix your crown. You're called to a higher standard. And that can be hard, but it's worth it. And that's what happened to me. I was seen. God saw me where I was, and he said, get up and fix your crown. You're my child. And um, this generation, this is a practical way that you can speak to this generation. It's, uh, a gen it's a generation who is starving to be seen for who they really are. So when you speak to them and you speak life, you speak the word of God over them, you speak the promises to them, uh, that really, in, I can see that in me and other people's, that really speaks to their heart. And so uh, with all that being said, let's pray. And just if there's somebody from a younger generation just near you, put your hands on them. You can stretch your hands towards the nursery, towards uh, RSK, and all, all over there. And let's pray over this generation. Dear Lord, as a church, we come to you, and we are just so grateful that we can come to you. And there is an open uh, there's an open gateway that we can talk to you. There's no more separation. Uh, we can talk to you, and you hear us, and you love to hear us. You long to hear us, Lord. I pray that this next generation will just, um, you would give them a heart, a supernatural heart that would just be chasing after you. Like, they're just, uh, I just, <laughs> I got a, like, a word picture. Like, you know how in the zombie movies, uh, like, when there's a human and they're being chased by the zombies, the zombies are, like, going at it to go get uh, the, hu the alive human and <laughs> to eat them. Well, Lord, I pray that you make this generation like zombies and um, that they would just chase after you with all that they are and everything they, that they are, that they would stop at nothing to show you that they love you, and that would be the all that would matter to them. I pray that they would build on their parents' rooftops that wear... Uh, where their parents have built up and made a relationship with you, I pray that they would start and build up and it would just become a skyscraper to all the generations and echo it into all the generations. I pray that we would have pure hearts. The cost of revival is a pure heart and intimacy with you and a willingness to give up uh, everything that comforts us and comforts 
comforts um, our flesh. So, Lord, I pray that we would have pure hearts, that you would purify us, that it would be like a fire that, yeah, it would burn at the time, but it would purify us. Uh, just like Psalm 48, 13 says that you would, that we would tell them, to, that we would tell of you to the next generation, that we wouldn't be afraid, um, that we wouldn't uh, be scared, that you would just create a bold generation that will speak to you and speak truth. This generation is starving for truth because there's so many voices just running and um, uh, so loud voices just shouting, if you don't agree with us, you're canceled. All these crazy things um, that uh, just don't align with your words. So, Lord, I pray that uh, you will bring the hearts of this generation into alignment with your truth and that they wouldn't be looking uh, for approval from this world, but only from you, because that's the only approval that matters. It's an eternal uh, approval. So, Jesus, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Have uh, Pastor Ed come up, and he's going to pray for all the parents. So if you are, in fact, can you stand up to your feet? If you are a parent, uh, actually, everybody stand. But if you are a parent or grandparent, I really want you to hone in on this part with Pastor Ed and Margaret. Again, more of our elders. Can we one more time give a big round of applause to our elders? They have... They have so much wisdom and a uh, beautiful thing that where they're passing down. So uh, maybe even open up your hands as he shares. I know I like to do that. Kind of tells my heart and my mind that I'm open to receive what the Lord is, is sharing with me. Thank you. Uh, before I do that, I just want to say that uh, I appreciate this. There's not a day go by that when I was praying one day, God just gave me a family portrait of my family. And I see them in my mind every day. Together we're standing before the Lord. And I claim that for my children and my grandchildren. So I just encourage you to take that rock and think about that. Think about your family when you pray. I don't care where they're at. God will work and bring them. And then I want to just read one thing before I pray. Thank you. My wife's my rock, by the way. Yeah. All the mics so you can get your Bible. No, that's all right. Oh, you got, I got it? Okay. Got it. <clears throat> I think this comes out of the Presbyterian Church, which I was once. <laughs> so it has to be right, right? <laughs> the family is the foundation institution of society ordained by God. It is constituted by marriage and is composed of persons related to one another by marriage, blood, or adoption. The family is the fundamental institution of human society. Now, the reason I read that is because John in the second chapter said, there are many antichrists in the world. If there were many antichrists in the world back then, we know what's going on now, right? If the family is the fundamental institution, then you know why what is happening today is attack upon the family. So I just want to encourage fathers, be fathers. Don't be ashamed of that. And mothers, be mothers, your nurturers. 
I just read they want to call you birthing persons. If you ever see that on a f form, cross that out. You can blame me. Tell them I told them you to do that. All right, now put your hands out. <clears throat> I want to pray uh, the blessing of the Lord. And the reason I want to pray with the word blessing, Father, is because in your blessing is life. In your blessing is our joy. In your blessing is our peace. In your blessing is our security and our hope. And Father, I know we cannot choose what family we're born into, but you have created the family of God so that every one of us can be fathered and nurtured by your love. Because in your love, if it is pure, your love never fails. Your love comforts us. Your love is righteous. Your love is justice. Your love will see us through until we stand before you with exceeding great joy. So I pray that blessing upon every family that is here, every person from a broken home. Trust in the love of God who loves you. And Father, I thank you for the Rock of Grace Church that we are a part of and all the pastors that are here. All those who are in authority, bless them, Lord. And Lord, how privileged we are to bow our knee before the God of the Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Church of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Have a great week. So make sure you take that stone, you know, take them out for coffee, take them out in a kayak, make a time, make, make a memory, and pass it down.